Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Well, let's go to John chapter 3. And in John chapter 3, this is the chapter where Nicodemus comes to see Jesus. I I love this chapter. I love this, you know, everything that happens there, the way you follow this story. So I can start in the beginning. He said, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. So Nicodemus was a priest. He was a Pharisee. And he was a ruler of the Jews. In other words, he was one of the senior Pharisees. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. So he came to Jesus at night. And I tell you why he came at night, because the Pharisees, they, you know, there was some kind of professional jealousy going on because Jesus could heal the sick. They couldn't heal the sick. They were mad at him. They were upset at him. He broke all their rules. And so what happened was that the Pharisees had basically said that Jesus was not of God. He was of the devil. And that anybody who goes to Jesus will be thrown out of the synagogue. So Nicodemus, he was of the Pharisees, but there was a difference between him and them. He was sincere. And he honestly didn't want to buy their rhetoric, but he he wanted to find out for himself. Uh, Because, uh, you know, this man, Jesus, they're saying all these things about him. Is it true or not? So he came sneaking in the middle of the night because he didn't want anyone to see him. So look at what he does. He comes, and this is the first thing. These are his opening words. He says, Rabbi, which means teacher or master, he says, we know that you are a teacher come from God. The reason he said this, what he was trying to say that my colleagues, my, my fellow Pharisees, they believe that you're from the devil. But I know, I don't believe what they say. I believe you are a teacher sent from God. Why? Because no man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. Interesting. You know, and even in this day or age, and age, there are actually churches which believe that when people get healed, it is of the devil. And when people get sick, that is of God. I mean, their understanding is totally uh, twisted because in the New Testament, it was the devil who came to kill, steal, and to destroy. And Jesus was the one who heals the sick. And now 2,000 years later, there are churches who believe the opposite, that Jesus is the one who wants to make people sick and the devil is healing people. And that is exactly what the Pharisees believed. And so he's, he's saying that Jesus, this is what my colleagues believe, but I don't believe that they are right because I know you're a man from God because nobody can do these things that you are doing unless God is with him. Now, so it's obviously that he was interested in talking about miracles. But look how Jesus answers him because Jesus, in his answer, he changes the subject. He says, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So Jesus immediately began to talk about his spiritual condition and that he needed to be born again. And Nicodemus, he suddenly said, I don't know what you're talking about. How can a man be born again? Now, this is interesting because, you see, Nicodemus is a Pharisee. 
He knew the Bible. He knew the Bible backwards. He knew all the stories in the Bible. He knew, he knew what the Old Testament taught. So he knew everything. But the one thing that really matters the most from the perspective of eternity, Nicodemus had no idea about. The one thing that really matters is that you must be born again. He did not understand that, although he knew about miracles. And that's what he wanted to discuss with Jesus. So Jesus began to talk to him. And, um, uh, you know, they, they had this wonderful conversation. And, you know, Jesus is preaching to him. And then, actually, Jesus is speaking about himself, about his own mission, his own calling, why he had been sent to this earth. So we come to, he comes to the 14th verse. Then he says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now here Jesus is telling this story of Moses and the serpent in the wilderness. And this was a, a story in the Old Testament that was known to every Jew. It was a, you know, there are certain stories in the Old Testament that everybody knew. And this was one of those famous stories about Moses and the serpent in the wilderness. But what he's, what Jesus is doing to Nicodemus, he's actually telling him uh, uh, this story that Nicodemus already knew about, but he is giving him the true meaning and the interpretation of that story because you see here's the thing everything you read in the old testament it can only be fully understood and comprehended in the light of the new testament everything you read in the old testament is a type and shadow the reality of which is found in christ because if you read the old testament as a standalone book and you quote Old Testament books and Old Testament scriptures, although they are scriptures and they are the word of God, unless you see those Old Testament scriptures through the prism of the cross and through the prism of the New Testament, you will end up with an interpretation which seems right but is totally wrong. Let me give you an example. If you read the Old Testament by itself, as if Jesus never existed, as if the cross never happened, then you will think that the only people that God loves on this earth are the people of Israel. And God hates everybody else. He's angry at everybody else and he loves only the people of Israel. Am I correct? I mean, that, that's, that's, that's what you get. But when you read the New Testament, then you begin to understand, yes, God loved the people of Israel, but he gave his only son because he loves the whole world. So the Old Testament is a, everything in the Old Testament is a type and shadow, the reality of which is found in the New Testament. So he is telling Nicodemus that this story of Moses and the serpent in the wilderness is a, uh, is a type and shadow of the reality, uh, the reality of which is found in the New Testament. Now, this is what happened. I'm giving you my little paraphrase, this story of Moses uh, and the serpent in the wilderness. What had happened is that the, 
that the people of Israel, they were out in the wilderness. They were, Moses was with them. And God had given them some tremendous victories over kings. There were certain kings who came against them. And the Lord had actually told Moses, he said, go out against them and fight them because I'm going to give you the victory. So Moses told the people, let's go and fight because God has given us the victory. And they actually went in and they fought these kings and they won tremendous victories over them. But as they left that place, they began to complain. They began to murmur. You know, sometimes I don't understand those people. They began to complain and murmur. You know what? Why they were complaining? About the food. They were, they were complaining. You know, it reminds me of this lady who wrote this big thing on Facebook. She was so angry at the lockdown we had. Because she, this is what she wrote. I'm not making this up. She said, I like to go to restaurants. And now I cannot go to restaurants. And my life is miserable because of that. And I said, there's people in the world who have worse problems than you going to restaurants. Uh, you know, uh, we, we, we live in a land of plenty and we are so blessed. So being hungry is not one of our problems. Our problems is which restaurant shall we go and eat in? That's an American problem. Do you understand what I'm saying? We have a choice. And so the, the people of Israel, here they had fought these enemies and won victory over them. And now they're left that place. And the next thing you know, two days later, they are complaining about the food. They say, we don't like the food. And they're angry at Moses. Because Moses to them was their chef. He was everything, you know. He was responsible for everything. Anything that they did not like, they always went to Moses and they complained at him. And the second thing, they wished they were back in Egypt, you know, where they had nothing to eat, you know. So anyway, so these people were complaining. And so God was angry at them. God was angry at them. Now, God had a covenant with them. But he was angry at them. Because the blessings of the covenant do not come by default. They come as a result of faith. You will see that. Although God had a wonderful covenant with them. He was Yahweh Rapha. He was their healer. Yahweh Sidkenu. I am your righteousness. Yahweh Ra. I am the Lord your shepherd. And Yahweh Shama. I am the Lord. The always present one. But all these wonderful promises he had given to them. They were subject to their faith and obedience. And when they did not walk in faith and obedience. Covenant or no covenant. They suffered. And so now what happened after these victories, they just quickly and conveniently forgotten, forgot what the Lord did. Now they're complaining about the food. So finally, one day, thousands of, it says fiery serpents, that means very poisonous snakes came from the middle of nowhere and began to bite the people. And the people began to die. They were dropping like flies all over the place. And then somebody said, you know, this is happening because we have sinned against God. I think that's the smartest thing to come to a realization that that which is happening to us is because of our sin. Many people, you know, they blame other people or, or for their condition, but they don't say this is because we have sinned. But the people 
quickly realized. And so they went to Moses and they said, Moses, the, the snakes have come in and they're biting us. And you know, snake bite is a very slow and painful way to die. And all these people are dying. Please do something. And so Moses, he went before the Lord. He went into the tabernacle and he began to seek the Lord. And as he was seeking the Lord, he said, Lord, have mercy on these people. Do something. And the Lord told Moses, this is what you do. He said, Moses, take some copper. Now, pure copper is a very soft and pliable metal. So he says, the Lord said, take some copper and shape and form a a serpent, a snake of copper. And then you nail that copper serpent to a pole. And then you take that pole with the copper serpent and take it to the middle of the camp where the people are. And then you raise up the copper serpent and tell the people to look at that copper serpent. And everybody who looks at that copper serpent, his sin shall be forgiven. The curse shall be broken. He shall be healed and he shall not die and he shall live. So Moses quickly, he took it, he took some copper, made this copper serpent and he nailed it to a pole and he ran with that copper serpent to the middle of the camp and he stood there in the middle and he shouted, he said, everybody look at this copper serpent, here's your deliverance. And the people, you know, who were dying on the ground, they were writhing around in pain and agony as they turned around and looked at the copper serpent, a miracle took place. In an instant, each and every person, each and every Israelite who looked at the copper serpent, his sins were forgiven. The curse was broken. He was healed and he did not die and he lived. That was a wonderful miracle. One miracle that affected after the parting of the Red Sea and the people of Israel coming out of Egypt, that was a One of the greatest miracles ever. And so that's what he's referring to. And he said, he said, as Moses lifted up that copper serpent in the wilderness, in the same way, I shall be nailed to a cross and I shall be lifted up. So that whoever looks at me and believes in me, the same thing shall happen to him that happened to the Israelites in the wilderness. Their sins shall be forgiven. The curses upon their lives shall be broken. They shall be healed and they shall not die and they shall live hallelujah so what he was saying that what the copper serpent was to the israelites in the wilderness that is who i am today that copper serpent is a type and shadow it points to me because i shall soon be going to the cross and people will look at me and when they look at me the same thing that happened to them shall happen to me hallelujah And so we know that when Jesus died upon the cross, the Bible tells us very clearly what happened. It says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we have been healed. So when Jesus was upon the cross, God met all the needs of people in all three levels, in spirit, in soul, and in body hallelujah so jesus became our copper serpent that's what he became but now there are there are 
three significant differences between Jesus and the copper serpent. The first difference is this. That copper serpent, it saved, healed, and broke curses only that one time. Because we know that the people of Israel, after that event in the wilderness, in Mount Nebo, which is now in Jordan, incidentally, if you go to Jordan to Mount Nebo, you see that monument. Uh, There's a a beautiful, like a cross with a serpent on it, and they said that this is where that event took place. The interesting thing is that after that event, the people of Israel, they were so taken with that copper serpent on that pole that they carried it around. It was like like in those days they didn't have flags like we have today. That became their national symbol. And that copper serpent on a pole, it became a symbol of God's healing covenant. So much so that 4,000 years after Moses today, you can go to any country in the world. If you go to a hospital or a pharmacy, if you look around, you will see a symbol of a pole with a serpent on it. It is still found today and it comes straight from the word of God. So the people of Israel, they carried that copper serpent on that pole around wherever they went. But that Wonderful incident that took place with those thousands of people where their sins forgiven, curses broken, and they were healed. That never happened again. There is no record in history of that ever happening again. In fact, I call it like a one-hit wonder, you know. It happened once. So it was with the copper serpent. But Jesus Christ... He is an eternal savior. He's an eternal deliverer from curses. He's an eternal healer. For the past 2,000 years, all over the world, every single day, Jesus Christ is forgiving sinners. He is breaking curses from over people's lives. And he is healing the sick. Lame people are walking. Blind people are seeing. Deaf people are hearing. Every single day, somewhere in the world, miracles are happening. That's the first difference. That copper serpent was a one-time thing. But Jesus is an eternal savior. He's an eternal deliverer. He's an eternal healer. Hallelujah. The second significant difference between Jesus and the copper serpent is this. That copper serpent was only for the people of Israel. Only for the people of Israel. In fact, if you and I had... Now, I'm not Jewish. I'm an Arab guy, unfortunately, which is worse than being a non-Jew. But, you know, I mean, and I don't know your ancestry. There may be somebody here who is of Jewish background. If you were there, it could have affected you. God bless you. Shalom. But the rest of us, it wouldn't do us a thing because that copper serpent was only for the people of Israel. Right? Because Moses lifted up that copper serpent on on the pole for the people of Israel. If you were not of the house of Israel, I'm sorry. This is not for you. That copper serpent was only for the Israelites. But Jesus died on the cross for the whole world. It doesn't matter 
who you are, whether you're Chinese or Japanese or black or white or brown or yellow, or I'm sorry if I missed out your color, or, you know, we celebrate all colors, all races, you know, this is, if I missed you out, I'm sorry, but whatever your ethnicity, whatever your language, your nationality, the Bible says that we who were far have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. So anybody from any nationality, any ethnicity, any background, anybody who looks at Jesus can have his sins forgiven and the curses over his life broken. He can be healed from every sickness and disease and can receive eternal life and pass from death into life. That is the second difference between Jesus Christ and that copper serpent. The third difference between Jesus and that copper serpent is the history. Where is that copper serpent? You know, fascinating. I did a study on the history of the copper serpent. You know what I found out? How many of you want to know? Okay, let me tell you. Do you know that the Israelites carried that copper serpent on that pole around for 1,200 years. 1,200 years. I mean, that's a long time. 1,200 years, wherever they went, they carried that copper serpent around. Why? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they were hoping that someday it would come to life and do another miracle. I don't know. But I know Roman Catholics, they carry bones of saints and keep them in holy places and people go and pray to those bones and, you know, uh, believing God. You know, when I was a Muslim, there was a famous place in Kashmir and they had this huge, huge, like a, a thing there. Why? Because they believed that a hair of the Prophet Muhammad was in that place. And people used to go and pray there and bring their prayer requests and petitions hoping that because the hair of the prophet was there, they'd be healed. If you go to the city of Kandy in uh, Sri Lanka, there's a big temple called the Temple of the Tooth. One of Buddha's molars. I'm not making, I'm, <laughs> it's funny, but it's true. It's there in a gold box. And people, Buddhists from all over the world, come to the Temple of the Tooth. To worship Buddha's tooth. Right? See that? Believe that something miracle might take place. If they go there. And every year they have a huge parade. They take that molar and they put it on an elephant in a gold box. And an elephant is paraded through town. It's a big parade. But Christians do the same thing. You know they, they have got uh, uh, relics. Of the saints. Pieces of bone. I have a friend who went to the Vatican. And they have a box there. Containing another box. Nobody has seen it. And in that box is another box. And that box supposedly. Contains. A piece of the jaw bone. Of the apostle Peter. I know one pastor. Ray McGrath. He went there. He says as I stood there in front of the box. I began to shake. I felt the presence of God. I said, dear Lord, what is happening to people? (laughs) Right? People like to, they think that through these things, they can have some kind of connection with God. But we don't. 
Our connection with God is by faith. In the blood of Jesus. But, but you see, what happened to that, uh, to that, not tooth, but that copper serpent was that for 1200 years, the people of Israel carried around that pole with a copper serpent. And then after 1200 years, during the reign of the, of King Hezekiah. Now Hezekiah was uh, one of the good kings of Israel. If you look at the, study the history of Israel, some of the kings were really bad, some were mediocre, and some were really good. Hezekiah was one of the good kings of Israel. And during the reign of Hezekiah, he found out what the people had done. They had taken that copper serpent after marching around with it for 1,200 years. They built an altar to it. Then they mounted that pole with a copper serpent on the altar, and they began to worship that thing. Hezekiah was so incensed that he ordered that thing destroyed. So he took the pole and I don't know what he did with it, but he destroyed the pole and then he destroyed that copper serpent. I don't know, he could have ground it up or done whatever, but it is destroyed, it is gone. And if you ask today, where is that copper serpent? We don't know, but the Bible tells us that King Hezekiah had it destroyed It is destroyed, it is gone, it is finished. So much so for the history of the copper serpent. But what is the history of Jesus? Well, I'm glad you asked me. He died upon the cross, bearing our sins and our diseases. He was buried, he defeated Satan, he paralyzed him completely. It says that he preached the gospel when he done, went down to Hades. And then it says he took captivity captive. Which means that the very principle of captivity that Satan uses to hold people in bondage. Jesus took that captivity captive. And he rose up again from the dead. And then he preached the gospel again. And he told his disciples go into all the world and preach this gospel to every creature and when you go these signs shall follow you in my name you shall cast out devils you shall speak with new tongues you shall lay your hands upon the sick and they shall recover and then he rose again he ascended to heaven where he seated at the right hand of the father and on the day of Pentecost he sent the Holy Ghost down and the Holy Ghost came down and filled his disciples on the day of Pentecost and now those who follow him are going out and doing the same things that Jesus did when he walked upon this earth and that is where Jesus is he's the same yesterday today and forever and wherever his name is preached his works are still being done people are still being saved curses are still being broken demons are still being cast out of people people's lives are still being changed That is the history of Jesus. The difference between the history of that copper serpent and the history of Jesus. So that's what Jesus said to Nicodemus. He said, Nicodemus, he said, listen, you see that copper serpent? In the same way, I shall be nailed to the cross that whosoever believes in me shall not perish but have everlasting life. And then he said, because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son 
that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Because God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Hallelujah. So you see, that is what Jesus was telling Nicodemus about. And Jesus, I mean, he said all this before he died on the cross. But you and I are living on the other side of the cross. And I personally know these things to be true. You understand what I'm saying. And you also know these things to be true. So the Bible says that by, that by faith we have access to the grace wherein we stand. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 5 says that. That by faith. It says that we stand in this grace. Yes, we stand in this place of grace. Where it is not by our works, but it is by his grace alone, where he has fulfilled everything for us and paid the price for us. And, and, and it is free. We don't have to pay anything to access God's healing and God's blessings and whatever we need in this life. But the way we access that, we stand there, but the way we access, we access that grace is by faith, hallelujah, by believing the word of God and saying yes, and then we take a hold of everything that God has and it is ours because Jesus Christ is truly the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he says, I am the Lord and I change not. Jesus never changes. Believe me, a lot of things have changed. COVID-19 has come. Now it's almost gone. A lot of things have changed, but Jesus Christ has never changed. His gospel has never changed. Amen. Praise God. His gospel has never changed. His word has never changed. Hallelujah. Praise God. He's, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.